You're listening to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. If you want to have guarantees, you have to buy a washing machine. Either we win or we learn, and today we learn. It's infield to Mare, 25 yards out. Lovely ball for Bella. Onside, 1 0. Big bad shot. Oh my word. It's unbelievable. He ran around the pitch like Bambi on ice. It was very, very embarrassing to watch. And now, your host, Matt Markstone. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast and newsletter dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. The show is available right here on SouthamptonDelivery.com or wherever you listen to podcasts, but no matter where you are and no matter how you may be listening, whether this is your first time or you've been here before, thanks for making the show a part of your day. I hope that you enjoy it. And my name is Matt Markson. I'm the host of the show. And this week, I was lucky enough to be able to talk about two matches uh, as Saints got a win against Fulham midweek and then went to Old Trafford and put in a fantastic performance some fantastic goals, um, but fell just short of bringing any points home. But um, earlier this week, after the Fulham match, I caught up with Alec Weiss, who spent a, a significant amount of time uh, in the UK studying there earlier this year. And so we caught up and talked about that. That episode is available for patrons if you want to catch that learn a bit a little bit more about Alec uh, and the account that he runs uh, that is there uh, for patrons and ready for you to listen to. Uh, if you don't know about being a patron, becoming a patron, uh, that is over at patreon.com and that support helps run the show. It helps pay for the website, helps pay for the hosting, helps make sure that all of these episodes remain ad free. Uh, and so I do appreciate everybody over there that is supporting them. Hopefully uh, they are enjoying the added and bonus content that they get for being patrons. Um, actually one of them is messaging the group right now, which is great. I'll just make sure that I shut that off so you don't have to hear it. Um, but this week, uh, for the normal episode for the Tuesday episode that you are hearing now, I spoke with Jody rivers and Jody is on Twitter at rivers, Jody coach, uh, and at Jody coaching. He's also involved with the Matt Letizia's natural coaching Academy. Um, he does a lot of stuff all around football. He's fantastic. He does so many things for the youth of the area, and he's so passionate about coaching and about Saints and about football uh, that it was fantastic to talk to him. And um, he, at one point, if you listen to the to the to the uh, preview that we that came out, it, he, we talk a little bit about just kind of you know sometimes it's it's okay just to to have a little bit of fun and go and go off the cuff. And and we did a little bit. We got away from the outline, which is not something I normally uh, like to do, but. Um, we wound up talking about coaching and stuff. I got so kind of just interested in what he was saying and what his philosophy was and all that stuff that we wound up talking about that for, for quite some time. But we do talk Saints as well. We did talk for quite a bit of time, but hopefully you enjoy it. After all, there is no midweek game this week. Uh, so you have all the way until Saturday uh, to get it done. And then I think the, the part about Jody and his coaching, uh, that remains because I think it's, uh, it's important and it stays and and it's not really a time sensitive. So uh, the the bit at the end about Saints, of course, it is. But with that being said, because it is so lengthy, let's get to it now. This is my conversation with Jody Rivers. You can find him once again on Twitter at Rivers Jody Coach and at Jody Coaching. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon.
We'd like to welcome to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, Jody Rivers. You can find him on Twitter at Rivers Jody Coach and at Jody Coaching. He's the director of coaches at Matt Letizia Natural Coaching Academy. Uh, Jody, welcome to the show and thanks for joining me on uh, what looks to be a nice looking uh, Sunday there in, in Southampton. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, fa- first and foremost, Matt, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, it's, well, we've got a little bit of room, but um, no, it's been um, a good weekend so far for uh, the weather. So, yeah, and um, yeah, looking forward to speaking to you today. Yeah, yeah. I think we've switched weather a little bit. It's It's been raining here for the past few days, but that's that's okay. <laughs> it's, uh, we, we need it because uh, we don't have any water. Yeah. So, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> No, um, well, over well, this time last year we were freezing. We had something called the beach from the east, and everything was under snow. So um, the fact we've got like 14, 15 degrees over is quite incredible. So uh, um, I've been putting the factor 50 on and looking after myself. So, uh, <laughs> but no, it's, it's all good, all good. Well, guys with haircuts like ours means you have to you have to make sure you do it, otherwise. Yeah. Otherwise, it doesn't look good. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. This time last year, I think I was talking to, I, I got to speak with Anthony Amy and we were talking, uh, I mentioned, you know, the beast from the East and he just kind of went like, what are they complaining about? You know, up here it's, it's yeah, totally exactly. fine, but yeah, it's, we complain if it's below five degrees, that, that's too much. And, and yeah, people exactly. are, people start get freaking out and yeah. driving, you know, super slow and worried about ice. And it's like, I haven't seen ice in my life, yeah. so uh, whatever. <laughs> exactly. What a goalkeeper that is, by the way. Oh yeah, Anthony Amy. Absolutely. He's, he he is my, in my opinion, the best goal player. If I had to pick an all-time Saints eleven, the Amy would be my goalkeeper. So, uh, what a uh, unbelievable goalkeeper. Absolutely, absolutely, and and uh, just the nicest guy to ever talk to. Um, that was that interview happened kind of out of nowhere, and then when I when I had the chance to talk to him, it was like. Like uh, it was, uh, I think it was even earlier than we're speaking. I think it, I was up at like two o'clock in the morning talking to him because uh, he wanted to get it in before I think Finland was playing or somebody was playing. And he wanted to watch it and so yeah. I had yeah. to do it. And it was just, uh, it was good that I didn't have a long time to prepare because otherwise I would have just freaked out about it. But I just had to do it. So yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. I think a couple of things um, strike me with me, Amy. I remember when we played Portsmouth for the first time in a while. I think it was 2003, December 2003, and um, all the fans were asking that they, he, someone spoke to him, I think, in a supermarket. He said a fan walked up to him and said, make sure you perform and beat them. And he got, he, I think he got a little bit funny with them because he said, well, I make sure I perform and try and beat everyone we play. So I always remember that of him. But I also remember when we beat Arsenal 3-2 at St. Mary's, the triple, the triple save he made uh-huh. was just unbelievable. And People don't talk about it that much, but I always remember that game. We beat them 3 2, um, but I always remember being in awe of Patrick Vieira that day. How he was on the losing team, I will never know. He was unbelievable, but the saves the Amy made to keep him out was just, well, but yeah, he, well, maybe we'll talk about it. It's up to you, but if I had an all time Saints 11, the Amy's my goalkeeper. Oh, we can, we can work that out, I'm sure. I mean, I'd be interested to hear because I, if I were to do it, it would all be, uh, you know, everybody would be since we've made it back to the premier league. Cause that's really when I, when I picked up the team. Yeah, so yeah. Um, it's, uh, yeah. it's better to let the people who have been around a while do it. And then uh, I get some people to go <laughs> yeah, I, excuse to go look up uh, some people uh, just in case it's, you name somebody that, that hasn't been named before. So maybe who knows. Um, so, I mean, before we get into to the game, obviously the, the team had a busy week. Um, you know, we had this, this kind of long layoff and we run, go into a stretch where we play uh, three times in seven days or eight days. Uh, we'll play against Tottenham and then we'll have another break. And 
it's it's not probably the ideal schedule, but we do seem to play a little bit better when we're, uh, you know, under not under pressure, but just don't have a, a lot of time to think about things. But um, similar, I guess, similar yeah. to the Anthony Amy interview. Um, but before we do that, let's talk about about you. Um, so obviously, you are you know, you you're busy. You do football and coaching kind of all the time. But when I guess as as a child did that start or like what what role did did football and sport kind of play in in your upbringing and uh, yeah well, well I guess let's start there. Well, it was, it's played a huge part. I mean, everyone sort of says that my when I was growing up, my first words, most children's first words were mum or dad, weren't they? Um, but mine was apparently a ball, uh, um, and that is a true story. My first words were a, a ball. So I've always loved football. Um, I've never, I've had a drink. I must admit, I've had a couple of beers in my life, but I've never smoked. I've never taken drugs. And that's purely down, just pure and simple down to football. I'm just absolutely besotted with the game. If I'm not watching it, I'm coaching it. If I'm not coaching it, I'm playing it still at 38 years old, playing in the Veterans League. So growing up, it was just a huge part of my life. And I think back then, obviously, there was less opportunities to do other things uh, the kids have got so many choices now with computers and Xbox. We didn't have that. Um, so it was good because we were always outside kicking the ball and that's all I ever wanted to do. Um, playing on a little island um, of green in my sort of cul-de-sac road and uh, um, grilling balls against people's cars, unfortunately. Um, so I wasn't the most popular kid uh, in, the, in the street. Um, but people now, it's ironic because I see people that live up that street and they sort of say well, as much as it was annoying at the time that you were um, doing that, it's at least you've gone on to use it to, you know, some good effect with your life and what you're doing. So, um, and then when I was f- uh, five years old, my dad took me to my first Saints game. Uh, we we played Sheffield Wednesday at home. Uh, we lost, and then but the the game I really remember was the first game of the '86, '87 season, and we beat QPR at home and Colin Clark. Um, so most people will think that Matt Letizier, because of what I do and who I know, etc., is my first Saints here. But it was someone called Colin Clark, a Northern Ireland international. Um, and he just, everything about him was just class. And but now football growing up, I just, I just, I watch all football as well. It's not just Samantha as much as Saints is my passion, but I just love, love the game inside and out. And um, yeah, it's given me opportunities to travel by the world, really. Um doing what I love and um, yeah, giving me a focus in life. I mean, you know, there, there are a lot of things in life that, that can get in the way and uh, I'm a high school teacher. And so I see a lot of kids that, uh, you know, I don't, I won't call it a distraction, but they have, they have a lot of, a lot of things that they can do that don't involve them kind of being involved with other people and learning and, and kind of really pushing themselves. And, and sometimes that doesn't uh, lead to the, to the best outcome. They, they fall by, by the wayside. I mean, did, do you think, I mean, you mentioned that, that you haven't ever taken drugs or anything like that. And um, do, do you think that that's down to just wanting to, to be the best footballer you can and just being obsessed with it? And do you think that, I mean, do you think that can play a role now for, for maybe some of these kids that are, that are out there that are kind of on the brink of, of falling, falling off and go, yeah. going down the wrong path? Without a doubt, because I've had opportunities in my life to start smoking, to take drugs. I've seen drugs taken in front of me by friends. And there was one in particular um, story that I tell in schools and I tell adults as well. I remember I was about 14 years old in football. I was just constantly playing the game all the time, uh, whether it be down the park with my mates or playing organized games or in the garden, whatever it was. And drugs were always available 
two of my friends and some of them went down that route. And I remember being sat in a room one day and I tell this story honestly because um, I want kids to realise that you do have opportunities and you do get, the, you know, it, there's a fine line between right and wrong. And I was sat in a room and drugs were being passed around and I was just sat there with my mates and I'd never taken it before. And the person next to me just happened to hand it over to me. And I went to take it. And I, to, be, to be honest with you, Matt, I don't know to this day whether I was prepared to take the drugs or to just pass it on to someone. Because as it was being passed to me, one of my mates just said, whoa, stop. But he said it in other words. There was a few choice words you know, <laughs> rather than that. And he, just, he, and he just said to me, not you. Not you. And I said, well, I'm not doing it anyway. And he just went, no, 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 not you. Now he was doing it, everyone else was doing it, but it, it strikes a call with me because I still see that person now. And we, he, he, he says he's very proud of me of what I've done, what I'm achieving or what I've done, you know, going to do. And I always say to him about that story and he just puts his arm around me and he just said, no, there was, there, there's something, you know, there was football, you were always going to do something in football. And I, I see that, Matt, as a defining moment because I'm just being very open and honest. And this is what I want to be with people, especially young children. Um, and, and, and teenagers in particular as well that get these opportunities. I, something happened there where I, I, I'll be honest with you, I don't know whether I was going to do that, that drug that day. I'd like to think I wasn't going to because, you know, it's, you know, I'd gone three, four years of seeing that opportunity and right. not taking it. But that was the first time it was actually put into my hands and I had the opportunity to do. And whether someone was looking down or whatever you want to call it, fake, I didn't. And, and since then, it's just, you know, football, I've always, I've never smoked, I've never taken drugs. And I've always had that something to look forward to, whether it be at the weekend, people talk to me and they, they know that, you know, I, I study the game inside out and facts and coaching and stuff like that. And I just think to myself, you know, it's so important that kids, especially nowadays, they have something, whether it's football, whether it's sport, whether it's a musical instrument, whether it's, I don't know, riding a bike, whatever it is just something to focus on something to break you know some kids have that same monday morning feeling as they do on a saturday night i call it that saturday night euphoria you know saturday night in england is obviously the night when families and people go out and they you know they relax for the, from a hard work you know working week but some people don't have that euphoria and i think that football to me is that euphoria when saints are playing or there's a big you know they don't have to be saints but when you've got teams playing and you, you get to watch it and that buzz you get and, and that's the drug I've got is football. The the fact that you had somebody in your in your life, just one of your friends who just said in that moment, whether it was just in that moment or whether it was something he he, he had thought about, sometimes it's, it's those little moments that, that make the, the biggest difference in, in the long run. So I think that's that's super important. But I don't know, I always try to encourage the kids and my own son and my, my own daughter just to, you know, find something you love to do. And sometimes it will feel like you are stuck and sometimes you have to push through and sometimes it feels, you know, like work. Um, but, but in the end you'll, you'll really enjoy and look back on what you've done and what you do and you'll, you'll enjoy every kind of moment of it. And, um, I, hopefully they see that with me when I, when I, when I, when I'm teaching and sometimes yeah. I, I hate grading papers, but it's part of the job. And, um, at the end of the day or the end of the year, I can see kids and how much they've come along and it's, it's a really big, uh, it's a big motivator for me. So, um, I mean, you mentioned you're still playing. I mean, when, how early did you become involved in kind of uh, uh, playing uh, in like organized fashion instead of just around the around the street? Yeah, 
I mean, in England, when we were younger, there wasn't, like I said, again, there wasn't the same opportunities as there is now. So we had um, sort of, um, when we were, like nowadays, you can get involved in organised football from the age of sort of six, seven, eight years old in coaching facilities, which I think are good, um, uh, you know, to give kids an opportunity to play in a safe, organised environment. And it depends on the environment you create but at that age. But back when... I mean, we couldn't play until we were under 10. So I was nine, 10 years old, I'd go and play in a local team, um, which, was, which, was, which was brilliant because you then, you know, there's nothing better than putting on a kit and, and playing with you know, nets in the goals and things like that. I think that, you know, as much as I love playing in the park and jumpers for goalposts and things like that, there's nothing better than putting on a kit. You know, you've got your number on your back and it's the referee and, and things like that. That's why, you know, that's the game we play. But, I think that, um, you know, still playing now, I'm 38, I've just, you know, playing for veterans teams, so over 35s, and we lost last week, which means that we, to win the title, it's out of our hands, so I was gutted last week, I hated football, um, didn't want to, <laughs> do you know what I mean, it was yeah. just one of them nights, and uh, and then yesterday we played, we won 4-2, and um, I was, um, a bit, I found a position, because when I was a boy, I've always played as a forward player. But then a few weeks ago, we didn't have anyone to play right back. So I said, well, I'll go there. And I absolutely love it. I wish I'd have played there a long, long time ago. So uh, uh, just forming up and down the wing against the 45-year-old winger is, um, is, is quite good. You know, I've enjoyed it. So I wouldn't want to come up against uh, a 21-year-old winger, by the way. So um, like I said, you know, organised football and um, playing when I was younger. It was good, and it was good for me as well from a discipline as well, because obviously respect and referees and stuff like that. You don't have that when you're just playing in the park. So yeah. I think that um, that's very important as well. But yeah, it's just so I, you know the enthusiasm I've got for the game is just incredible, and I, I want to play and coach for as long as I can. Yeah, yeah, I think that's I think that's uh, I think it's great that you found that because I think some people go through a lot of their life and either they don't feel like they they have the opportunity or they haven't found that thing. And so, I, I mean, I feel fortunate that I've, I've kind of found what I love and, and I'm sure you, you, you are the same, but there's also a, a big element of, of taking advantage of that and, and really going after it. And so um, it's really awesome that you, you've been able to, to do that. But um, now that is, that is kind of shown up in terms of um, two separate kind of coaching um, I don't know if they're company, if you want to call it a company or, or, or whatever it is, but um, there's the Matt Letizia natural coaching uh, and there's also Jody coaching. So, like, I mean, how how did you go from from playing, in until you kind of found the the area or the time when you decided like this was going to be this is going to be what you did? Like, how did that how did that happen? Um, so basically, I, like I said, I think you know anyone that's listening now will know that I've got enthusiasm for the game and, and love for the game. So I've always played it. And then it was in 2005, I was playing for a team called Benwick Heath Harlequins, doing okay, you know, just a local league and stuff like that. And the chairman phoned me and said, "Look, the way your enthusiasm is for." You're always training. You're always available to play. I want to set up a young team that sort of bridges the gap between under-18s and our reserves. That's going to be called our Colts team. And he said, would you be interested in, in, in coaching and managing it? And when I look back, I think I've always been, you know, um, I don't know what the word better means. And what I mean by that is, you know, better. So, you know, what, who's messy Ronaldo, who's better? Well, you can argue all day long, but... I always see myself, for example, that I think I'm a better coach than I was a better player. 
I think that um, there's a lot of times when I was playing football where I would see what I needed to do or wanted to do, but didn't quite have the ability to do it. I was always, you know, and that wasn't always because of my technical ability. It was because I'd seen something. Um, and then I, then all of a sudden, two or three half seconds or whatever had gone and that opportunity had gone. So coaching the game, I think that I'm, I'm, I'm more set out to coach than actually to play. Um, but in 2005, someone phoned me up and he said, look, would you be interested in doing this? And I was like, well, if I'm honest with you, not really. He said, well, someone's going to run the team. If someone's going to run the team and you just, you just play for them. And I said, well, I'm not really sure. Then that person decided they didn't want to do it at all. And he sort of sat me down and said, look, he said, I think you'd be really good at this. And I said, well, all right, I'll give it a bash. And I'd be honest with you, I, it was just from there. I just got the, the bug for it, for coaching. Um, because what I realized back then, though, is that in 2005, when I started coaching, I knew everything. And I mean everything about the game. Trust me, you couldn't tell me anything. Um, Jose Mourinho... Pep Guardiola, they, were, they weren't a patch on me in 2005. I knew everything about the game, man. You know, I knew how to manage, I knew how to coach, I knew how to do sessions, I knew how to do tactics. And when I look back now, I cringe because you fast forward 14 years, I've got 14 years of studying the game, going to some amazing places around the world. Um, and I realise now I actually know very little and there's so much more to learn. And I think that was my biggest, biggest problem that when I started, I was, you know, very naive, very arrogant. And I remember I said to my coaches now, I say, you know, uh, I'm looking at their sessions and I say, you know, what about that? Why don't you try that? Oh, yeah, I was going to do that. Or the famous one of, yeah, 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 I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And no, you didn't. You know, and I think it was, you know, I think it was Cruyff said to Guardiola, didn't he? Cruyff said to Guardiola, put your ego away and you'll be amazed what you can learn. And I've learned from some of the most random people that you could ever, you know, including children that you could ever think of. I mean, I remember one day going into a school and um, giving the kids a load of cones and some balls and saying, make your own games up. And Matt, you'd be amazed. Some of the ideas they came up with, I still use now. And I would never have thought of that. And you're talking about nine, 10 year old kids. Yeah. You know, that inspired me. So, um, but one of my biggest influences at the time, like when I got into coaching in 2005, was Jose Mourinho. Now, I call it the old Jose Mourinho, where he was full of arrogance, he was mm -hmm. full of flamboyant, he just won the Champions League with Porto, he'd come to Chelsea, and it, he, I, you know, we all look for role models, I think, and I sort of saw him as one. And I look back then, and I was trying to be someone that I wasn't, do you know what I mean? I'm, you know, Jose Mourinho is a unique person, but he did inspire me at the time. And then since then, um, I've, a lot of managers have come along, Simeone, uh, Pochettino, but um, I'm a huge, uh, anyone that follows me on social media and, and knows me as a person will know that Guardiola is, is something that um, I aspire to be like. If I can be, um, I, think, I think we're um, similar as well. And that's quite an arrogant thing to say, but I don't mean in, in ability. I mean in passion for football and attention to detail. So let me get this straight to the listeners now. I'm not saying I'm Pep Guardiola and I'm not saying I'm as good as him, but I'm saying I share his enthusiasm and his passion for the game and his love for his players and his staff and, and things like that. So, um, but no, um, like I said, I think coaching, I think it's daft because I think I was actually born to coach rather than to play. Yeah, yeah, well, that's, 
I mean, it's really interesting. And I'll make sure that when I cut it up, I won't cut it up and have it be like a daily mail spot. So I won't make you sound like that. <laughs> uh, don't worry about that. Um, I shouldn't mention that that name or, or, or the sun, I guess. But no. um, anyway, I, that's yeah, I, I, I totally understand where you're coming from, um, though, with with, with that and, and coaching and kind of all my life playing, playing baseball with my dad and, and learning from him and spending more time just sitting and listening to him talk about about baseball with with other people is probably where I got uh the majority of of what I knew and so I was always uh I don't know like every coach I've ever had uh from every level from from high school all the way through college they were always like you know you understand the game really well it's going to be really great when you can go coach I coached for you know however many years and I wanted to coach always I came went back to my high school and coached as soon as I was done I kept coaching when I started teaching and then when my son switched over and didn't want to play anymore, he wanted to play football instead. I kind of said, look, I can continue to do this for me, but uh, I, I should go do th- this for him. And so I've kind of poured myself into football over the past, um, you know, six, seven years now. And, and it's been, uh, it's been amazing because it's a whole new sport. So I've, I've started from, from ground yeah. zero, you know, and yeah, but uh, that, that's good for you because in some respects, I think that you haven't, um, how can I put it? Um, you haven't had the negativity or, you know, when you're younger or people telling you you shouldn't do this, shouldn't do that, where it's new to you, you can have an open mind. And, you know, whereas, you know, as you don't realize it, but when you're in football so much over here, you, um, you're brought up doing things certain ways. And then if you're going to change, it means that you've got to step away from the grail that you've, others have created for you. Whereas if right. you've got that fresh platform, I actually, you know, I've sort of, um, I'm a little bit jealous of that. I think it's brilliant that, uh, you know, it, as you're older now, you can just sort of, uh, you know, you, like I said, you haven't got that backlog of whether things have, you know, I, one that I'll be honest with you now, I was just about to say whether things have been done or right, but one of the things that really frustrates me, especially with social media, when Twitter started, for example, when I joined Twitter about coaching, I found it so helpful. The resources on Twitter were brilliant and coaches wanting to help each other. I find it frustrating now on social media that people, they seem to think that English football or football in general is a disease and they have the answer. And what I mean by that is they, 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 they want to criticize people for doing it their way. You know, let them play. Don't let them play. Shout from the sideline. Don't shout from the sideline. You know, put them in positions. Don't put them in positions. You know, let them dribble. Make them pass, whatever. We're not going to wake up one day, Matt, and there's going to be a blueprint written where every coach in the world has to follow it to coach football or any other sport. So it's really what frustrates it. Have an opinion. And like I said, in one of my blogs that I wrote, the the best program that I've ever watched that improves me as a coach is something over here called MasterChef. I don't know if you've heard of it over in America, but basically... Yeah, do you get it over there? I think we have something similar, and I'm I'm almost sure my mother-in-law records it. So uh, I've seen it. well, from, from a football coach's perspective, people say to me, why on earth would MasterChef make you a better football coach? Well, MasterChef is a, a program, for those that don't know, that basically you go on the competition, you have to cook, the, you try all these different dishes, you have to try all these different um, foods and impress judges, mm-hmm. and then you get through. Now, MasterChef, for me, I'm, this is my passion for coaching. So when I'm sat there and I'm trying to improve, and I remember just watching it, the contestants going on there and the chefs that go on there, and they try things, Matt, that are out of the box. They try things that don't go together. Do you know what I mean? Some yeah. of the dishes that you, you just think, well, how does that work? 
And it made me think of my coaching. Why am I making, am I making bland sessions? Because they're not making bland food. They're trying to drop little bits and bit pieces in. So it opened me up. So some games, I use one goal. Some games, I use four goals. Some games, I've got three teams playing on one pitch. Sometimes I've got four teams playing on one pitch. Sometimes I've got two balls. And, you know, sometimes I use different size balls, for example, for kids. So every over here, you know, you have size three footballs for, you know, eight-year-olds. Well, sometimes I make the eight-year-olds play with adult size balls, size five. There's a different feel with the ball and things like that. And that program really helped me. But one of the things that struck me, that one of the presenters is called John Perot. And um, he's a, a food expert. And he was eating one day a cucumber jelly. And I thought to myself, well, I've never heard of cucumber jelly. And right. do you know what I mean? I mean, the cucumber and jelly, it just don't work. Uh-uh. So he's eating this cucumber jelly. And he said, I don't like cucumber jelly. But that is a fantastic cucumber jelly. And it just struck me. There was like a flash moment where I thought to myself, you know, what he's identified is, is that that dish is not for him. He doesn't want to eat it, but he identified that for someone that likes it, that is a fantastic, you know, the way they've done it is, is, is amazing. And that's my thinking of coaching. I see so many sessions sometimes, and it's opened my mind where I used to watch sessions, particularly that coaches were putting in and think, why is he doing that? Why is he, you know, it just it isn't working. But now I take a step back. And I try to understand that actually, you know, that might that, that session might not be for me, but it doesn't mean to say that it's not a session that can be relevant and help players that are in it. You see what I'm trying to say? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think when you when you go into a situation, it doesn't matter. They don't have to do things the same way you're doing it. And if you go in with the mindset that you, no matter what they're doing, you can learn something from it. You know, yes, yeah. Uh, and you can come out of that. And then if you only take one thing away from it, then then you're still growing. And I think that makes you better. And I, yeah, I just, yeah, I totally get that. And so I think that's great. And, um, I think that makes a huge difference because you could, you could just shut it off and you can just look at every other coach and say, I'm better than that. Or I know that already. And and this is that, but yeah, then you don't and, I've grow. Been, and I've been that coach, Matt, I've been that coach. I've been the one that's walked into sessions and thought that I'm better than people and thought that I know more than people. And, some of the best coach, some of the like I said, some of the stuff I've learned is incredible, and not even from coaches, you know. And a few people have said to me before, you know, they talk about football and they say, "I don't know enough about the game like you do." And I stopped them and I said, "Well, what do you mean by that? Well, you coach full time, you do this, you've been there, you've done that." And I'm like, "Well, yeah, but hang on a minute, that's because I've got the opportunity to do it. You know, you're working somewhere else, and your opinion of the game is just as you know defining as is mine." And and I think that this is the thing that, like I said, you know, especially one of my gripes as well, people that know me is that, you know, all this, because you've played the game, that you therefore know how to coach the game. Well, I know some ex-pros that have played the game to a high, high level and cannot coach. Yeah. And he won't mind me quoting him. And that's one of them's Matt Letizio. Now, when it comes to football, I don't need to tell any Saints fan that Matt Letizio is a far, far better footballer than what I was. I mean, an understatement is ridiculous. I mean, you know, it's like comparing, you know, a policeman to Batman. It's just ridiculous, isn't it? You know, it's yeah. just, but you asked Matt Letizia about my coaching, you know, and he's, he's, he said that he, I, the way I explain things, uh, the way I break things down, the way I communicate, um, the way I'm organized, the way my sessions flow, he, he, he can't do it. 
I remember asking him at one of our sessions to, exp- uh, I dropped him in it a little bit. I said, can you come over, Matt, and just teach, coach the boys how to volley a ball? And it was one of the most awkward moments I've ever had with him because he just, <laughs> because it's like he said, well, I just did it, Jody. Do you know what I mean? He's yeah. just done it. And, you know, and he didn't need to explain it. He had that natural ability that, that we all know and love. And coaching is, is trying to, you know, that player that you've got, like Matt Letizia, that I've got one boy that comes to uh, one of my sessions where he literally, we just let him do what he wants. I don't tell him <laughs> what to do. He's just, he's just, he's one of these that just, he just, you can just tell in the classroom, he gets bored when he's told what to do. And we teach body shape and we teach technical ability, uh, technical um, aspects. And we teach little things and bits and pieces. But with him, I just say to him, just, you know, when you get the ball, you know, don't worry about where your toes are facing and your body shape is and the angle of your body because the way he receives the ball, he's comfortable with. Uh-huh. And I think that it's, you know, like I said, you know, you look at some of the ex, the ex-pros, I think that they should be going all ex-pros. And this is quite controversial, but I think that all ex-pros, when they come out of the game, they should be made to go and work in schools. Um, and coaching schools because that's where you learn how to coach because one of the things that I don't like as well with coaching is that you get coaches that want to coach at the top end of the game yeah. but they want to coach the four four two or the four two three one or where the full backs go and you know, co- you know combination play and rotations and all that and the other and they want that but that's all good and well but real coaching to me it, for example if Harsen Hurtle phone me up now and said, Jody, can you come down and prepare us for the Tottenham game? I, I'm confident that I would be able to put sessions on that would be um, able to, for those players at the very elite level of the Premier League to, uh, to understand that they could take on board and it would help us hopefully get a result against Tottenham. Mm-hmm. That's not arrogance, that's just confidence in my love and passion for coaching. But at the same time, you know, at that top end of the game, for me, real coaching is when you're with a four and five year old in a school and they don't know how to walk, how to jump, how to run, how to throw, how to catch, you know, how to strike, all these things. And I think that the real ability of coaching is being able to go and adapt. And there's nothing, there's no bigger adaption needed than being with a four or five year old in a school that's literally. You know, you've got to teach him what a football pitch is. Yeah. You've got to teach him what discipline is. And I think you use those skills and that communication because I still get it now. You're in a school and you've got this five-year-old who's just being a pain in the backside. He don't want to be there. He's throwing himself on the floor. He's pushing everyone over. And you've now got to control him and the rest of the group to improve them in that day, to get them and give them an understanding, to make them realize how they do things, why they do things. People don't realize that those skills at the bottom end of coaching, if you want to call it, are actually used at the top. So when you fast forward to Harsen Hurl, and everyone's raving about Nathan Redmond at the moment, uh-huh. yeah? Well, Harsen Hurl is, is coaching him like I would a five-year-old. He sat him down. He's explained to him about his body shape. He's explained to him about his body language. He's explained to him about how he runs. If you look at Redmond now, he receives the ball with the inside of his foot, whereas before he was taking it to the outside. Now, the inside of the foot, if you control the ball with the inside of the foot, 
it, 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 the body's um, natural balance is actually helped by touching the ball with the inside of the foot. So when Redmond takes off now, he's actually more balanced and composed to be able to dribble with the ball. His stride patterns between the ball are a lot now. Um, so basically, his touches with the ball are always in front of him. So his stride patterns have been improved by Harsen Hurl. And people don't realize that Harsen Hurl came in and got hold of Redmond, for example, and Ward Prowse is another example of what he's done with Ward Prowse, and actually broke the game down and spoken to him. Obviously, not spoken to him. Well, when I mean by spoken to him, I don't mean that he's spoken to him like a five-year-old. Right. You know, you've got to have respect. But he's what he's doing is that he's actually, you know, the dialogue that he's using is no different to what I would use in a school with a five- or six-year-old kid and that, those small attention to details, and like Guardiola with Sterling, that, that's the prime example as well. When Sterling will not miss an opportunity in front of goal now when it comes across and he's at the back post, because him and Arteta have got and said, rather than just have throw a floppy foot at it and let the ball hit you, yeah. you actually move the inside of your foot towards the ball. And that's no different to what I would teach a five-year-old when I'm starting to talk to them about striking a ball in a skull. It's, I mean, I think sometimes that some of those things go, go kind of under the radar. We see the improvement, um, you know, from, from my perspective, I watch Nathan Redmond and I know there's something there that's different. Um, yeah. but I think sometimes the, the, uh, the easy thing for me to do is be like, oh, you know, somebody's just told him he's gotta, he's gotta try harder or he's gotta, you know, run more or he's gotta do this stuff. Yeah. And it's, yeah. You know, the, those little things, the, the touching it with the inside of your foot versus the outside of your foot or receiving the ball that way, um, you know, or, or we, we talk about confidence and stuff like that. And sometimes it's so much more. It's maybe, maybe it's the, the touches now are improved and now he feels more comfortable. So he has more confidence. It's not just um, some, of the, some of those other things that, yeah. that maybe we try to we gloss over because we don't I don't see it. I just don't and I don't understand well, it. And so no, one of the things I would say about Redmond, I say in, in schools on a daily basis, you need to be able to control your body to be able to control the ball. And I don't think that under previous managers, Redmond's been coached that. I think that Harsen Hurl's now got him controlling his body. Once you control your body, you feel relaxed. Once you feel relaxed, you can go and express yourself. So I think that, you know, like I said, you know, there's small attention to detail. And, you know, these, I think, you know, Harsen Hurdle deserves credit for that. And I think you look at Ward Prowse now. Ward Prowse has always been what I, everyone calls him technically very good. But he was very much a sideways player. You know, right. he would get the ball turned and go the other way. But the way he's receiving his body now with his, you know, his nearest shoulder in line with the ball, he's actually now his first touch is forward. And now you're seeing a different player from Ward Prowse. And their small attention to details, which, like I keep repeating, they're no different than what I would do with a five- and six-year-old. And it frustrates me that some coaches, and when I say some coaches, again, being honest, I include myself in that, they don't want to work with young players and five-, six-year-olds in schools. And I'm, I'm not talking academy players now. Right. I'm talking your, your school children that, you know, a, a mixed group of kids that some don't even want to do right. football or PE, you know. I used to do it. I'll be honest with you, Matt. I used to, um, how's this for honesty? When I'm in charge of, so I'm the director of coaching and Matt Leticia Natural Coaching, and I'm also in charge of Jody Rivers Coaching. And sometimes my pride and ego, I'm talking four or five years ago, but I would walk into a school and they would be like, most of the time I would be there to look at the coaches, but sometimes I would have to take a session. And I used to say to the pat, they said, oh, you're here today, Jody. Yeah, 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 coach is ill. 
coach was ill because no, they weren't. It was just that I didn't want them to think that I was, oh, oh I thought Jody was up there. You know what I mean? I thought Jody was coaching at the top end of the game. Yeah. You know, my ego wanted people, me, people to think that I was in at Saints every week or visiting Barcelona or visiting Sporting Lisbon or visiting Athletic Bilbao where I've been and stuff like that. But actually, no, now I go in and I'm proud to say, no, no one's ill, no one's off. Me today, that group of six, seven-year-olds out there, 20 of them, I'm taking that club today. And I'm, you know, and it's about having the same enthusiasm and integrity with that group of players as, it, as if it would be if I was taking a session for, for Haas and Hurtle with the first thing. Yeah, yeah that's, yeah, that's so great, man. Because like you said, not everybody, not everybody feels that way. You know, and no, not everybody. And, and I and, didn't. And I didn't. Yeah, yeah, and and I and I think that it's. I mean, it means it means a lot that you you recognize that and you can admit that, and you now have, I think, changed that because I think those kids now, I mean, like you said, they're definitely teaching you as well, but they are, they they are they have an opportunity there, and maybe it's that kid who's thrown himself on the ground as a result because maybe the coach isn't up it you know doesn't understand and is trying to get him to do things or isn't trying to get him to do things in a certain way maybe it's just your maybe it's just one a couple of sentences from you uh a redirection yeah. from you that he goes well like what well, i'm not in trouble i can i get to do this yeah. and i can enjoy this and then it's and then it's a whole you know it's it's the guy telling you no not you jody like you're not doing this and yeah, then now and then we're it, on a different path and then it goes full circle again because if they're not enjoying it they're not going to do it and if they're not doing it they're going to do wrong things like yeah. like drugs, like smoking, like drinking when they're old. And that, people might think that's a bit extreme, but it's not. Because, you know, if you're, if you, you don't realize that by, you know, there's no, people say to me, why do I coach? And the reason why I coach is you cannot be when you're coaching and you're talking to a group of 20, 30 kids in front of you and they are hanging on every word. Yeah. Every word you're saying, they're looking at you with hunger in their eyes and fire in their bellies. And people say to me, you know, do you want to go when you get older or when, in the future? What are your ambitions? Would it be to coach in the Premier And I'd love to coach in the Premier League. I'd love to coach. Um, I, want, I don't want to manage. But I've got no interest in managing. I'm not interested in what they do. I just want to have my players and we'll coach and we'll work and we'll get better. But I think that, um, you know, I've got ambitions and stuff. But I, I love, I, I, I think that even if I was a Premier League coach, let's say I was... Harson Hurt was number two, or uh-huh. uh, I would still have to go and work, not just in the club's academy and help there. I would still have to be involved in schools. I don't see, I don't, um, and that wasn't always the case. Like I said, Matt, I always used to think that schools and working in schools and delivering um, to young children that weren't elite in some brackets, you know, was a stepping stone. But I, I don't think I could ever step away from it. I really don't. It's just, you can't be, you know, when you go in and you, even little things, forget the coaching, when you're high fives and you walk in and they want to talk to you and they want to tell you stuff and, you know, you just engage with them. And I think that, you know, that's, that's what we, uh, a coach should be. They should be enthusiastic and be prepared to work with any, any, any um, age, any ability range. Because like, you know, like I said, it will improve you as a coach without yeah. a doubt. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, dude, I, I mean, I could, this is, I think this is great and I'm, I'm enjoying this and I uh, talk about unplanned sessions, you know, this isn't what we, what we yeah, necessarily yeah, had planned, but exactly. this is, this is ter- working out, uh, uh, great. I mean, I'm, it's a lot of insight into, into how you work and, and how you view the game and how you view your role and, and, 
I think it means a lot to, to a lot of the kids and, and, you know, not every kid's going to kind of buy in and not every kid's going to want to do it. But it, I think for me, uh, as a teacher, it only takes one or two, uh, a class or one or two a year to, to really, you see the difference and that's, you know, you know, you've, you've done as much as you can for as many kids as you can. And that, I think that's great. But, um, I mean, do you, do you mind if we talk about saints a little bit, just, just real quick? Yeah. Yeah. I forgot about that. That's, yeah, well, I, I mean, honestly, honestly, in this, I mean, this is, I think what we're talking about in terms of coaching and, and, and development and children, I think that stuff is, uh, it's much more important. I mean, it definitely puts, it definitely puts a couple of uh, poor, what I consider poor refereeing decisions in perspective, because you're talking about the differences in lives of, of, of a bunch of kids and the potential impact on a bunch of uh, an entire population of, of, of a city or a, a nation or whatever it is uh, versus uh, me just not liking one particular referee for, for an afternoon. You know? <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, it is, yeah, I'll take it. We're talking about Bertrand yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I mean, let's, we'll just kind of go over. Cause I mean, obviously we came off the, the win midweek against Fulham and, and uh, just to sum it up, I don't think Fulham, we, we, I, we did an episode for, for patrons at the, earlier this week directly after the game. And, you know, a lot of people said Fulham just didn't look up for it. Uh, we walk yeah. out of there with a win. I thought we played pretty well. Um, I yeah. enjoyed, uh, I had to watch the game afterwards cause I was at work during, during that time. Uh, the, the yeah. midday kickoffs are now a disaster with my, with my teaching schedule, but that's okay. Um, yeah. but then yesterday against man United, I mean, unchanged team. So, I mean, first of all, do you have, were you surprised by that at all? That that was the exact same team from Wednesday to, to Saturday with the the short and rest period. Or do you think that's the best team, and that's what you have to put out there at this point? I, th- I think that he um, what he did is that he went with momentum, and I think they all deserve their place. It was a winning team, um, and you know some people say about keeping a winning team and the mentality, but no one against Fulham uh, sort of did anything wrong. You were right. I didn't think Fulham were very good at all. I was very surprised that you know you know a team in that position I mean Huddersfield are in a worse position than that if nothing else Huddersfield fight don't they there's something yeah. about them that you know they've got some pride about them I thought that Fulham were very poor uh, with and without the ball I didn't think they showed much imagination I know they hit the bar but you know at the end of the day there were some weird substitutions from their perspective as well do you know what I mean I think Kearney uh, is, a, is a Premier League player um, and I don't think they sort of utilised him much but no, in regards to the team selection from us, um, I think that going, you know, he, he's gone with a three at the back. He seems that seems to be uh, a done deal now, at least till the end of the season. Um, I think Yoshida was a big miss for us. Um, I think that in the current climate, he's he's the leader back there. He's the one that knows the club. He's the one that can, you know, organise as well. Um, and he's picked up. He's played with some good partners, by the way, if you think about it, yeah. for the club over the years. So. Um, Yoshida, but no, I wasn't surprised with that. Little, maybe a little bit surprised that Austin started up front, given that we were away, and you know you could have gone with um, some more pace through the middle if you like. Yeah, would be other options. But no, give or take, I was expecting that. Um, and then I think that during the game, um, so I didn't watch the game live, unfortunately, um, but I've seen the highlights and I've listened to the to the radio and things like that. And from all accounts, it was a fantastic game. And we, we, what I like was what Solskjaer said. He said, they came here to beat us. And not many teams do that. And I've been a little bit critical, if I'm honest with you, a um, tiny bit with Arsenal and Hurl, uh, when we played Man City uh, and when we went to Arsenal last week. I think that 
you know, all this free hit, oh, it's a free hit. I don't believe that football, there is a free hit. There's an opportunity, Matt, in my opinion, to get three points every time you step on the field. So I like the fact, you know, that we went to Manchester United yesterday and had a go at them, you know, and we nearly got something from it. And I think if we go with that mentality against the other teams, particularly Tottenham at home, who are having a bit of a wobble and then Brighton away, go into the games with that mentality and, and see what you can get, you know, and, you know, I, I, when I don't, if I'm honest with you, I don't think we've got the players at the moment um, to go into games and try and, and keep clean sheets. And, you know, clean sheets are a vital part of the game. But, the, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it, it's important, I think, that when we have the ball, our strengths are Redmond, you know, um, and more Prowse at the moment going forward. And, you know, Valerie down one wing, Bertrand. I still, in my opinion, and people will laugh at this, but, you know, you could argue Andy Robertson at the moment and Liverpool's performing outstanding. But I don't think when Bertrand's on form, I don't think there's anyone better than him. I really don't. Um, and I think that it was positive for us to go up there, like I said, try and get the win. Um, and hopefully that even though the result was bad, the performance, the momentum from that can carry us forward a little bit. Yeah, the the performance yesterday, that that type of the fight, the commitment, the the willingness and the the belief i think that they can go in there and do something against united you know and it wasn't that oh we have to go in and and just try not to get beat they were they were there to play and they were there to win and it it really showed up and and how they you know man for man when they stood up next to to the united players the team that costs you know uh far and above what what our our starting 11 cost they they were not scared they weren't afraid um, well I don't, I don't know what the commentary is like over there Matt, but over here they're very much a big six we talk about the big six oh, yeah. you know we, it's always talking about the same things and is Solskjaer going to get the job well they say the same things last week as what they said this week you know it's it's boring i think they'd actually get more for their money um and actually analyze southampton so when I was watching the game, it was all about Pogba driving forward. But, oh, here he comes again, driving forward. Yeah, on several occasions, I've, I've seen Hoivier driving forward. Do you know what I mean? And, right. and I think that, like you say, what I mean by that is we did go toe-to-toe with them. Um, I do think that the squad needs improving in the summer. And hopefully, I'm, I'm confident that it will be a Premier League squad as well. Yeah. And I do think that we do need to improve it. But we have got good players. And I think that that, you know, I, I, people, like I said, going a little bit back to Bertrand, I, I'm, I think Benjamin Mendy at Man City, when he's fit, obviously, Robertson, the way he plays at Liverpool, but Bertrand's up there with them. And people might roll their eyes and stuff like that, but that's my opinion, and I'm entitled to it. Yeah. When he gets forward, there's no better delivery of a ball. His runs between the full-back and the centre-back of the opposition is superb. And defending him 1v1, I don't think there's many better. And you look at Redmond, and you and I genuinely believe this, and some people have laughed at me, but if Redmond, can you tell me the massive difference between Redmond and Raheem Sterling in, in ability? Because I'm, I, I'm not saying that Redmond isn't that at the moment, but with coaching, with confidence, with good players around him, I think Redmond can go on to be a, a, top, a top, top player. So... We need to have a little bit more belief in ourselves. And I think Harsen Hurtle yesterday, um, hopefully it gave him and his staff a little bit, of more, if they needed it anyway, a little bit more belief in thinking, if we can play like that and have that mentality going into games rather than 20 minutes to go, right. then I think that we will be more than okay. Yeah, well, and there's there's a huge difference between the the 
way they approach that game just well, as soon as they stepped on the pitch the the energy levels and everything else from from arsenal just a week ago you know we didn't look like we believed yeah. it nearly as much uh no. against arsenal and so i think that's a i think you know and, and sometimes it's difficult to 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 know what what accounts for that whether it was a, a conscious decision or whether it was just the way you know redmond walked into the locker room that day or whatever you know who i i, I don't know so it's uh but i think it's you could just see it from the very first uh from the kickoff yesterday that they they were they were about it and they believed and um you know gun having gun had a i don't know if they showed it on match yeah. of the day or not but three or yeah. three saves really early on and it was just like i you know i'm sitting here going like is it going to be one of those days where we just get, is it going to be uh, Arsenal a couple of seasons ago where Forster just had that ridiculous uh, game? Yeah, where I was there that night. I it, was there that night. It was incredible. It's like the ball was just attracted to him. And um, I mean, and, and just to, to kind of jump ahead of it a little bit, I mean, the goals that United scored, I I didn't see, um, you know, I think sometimes we look for a scapegoat. Somebody has to have made a mistake on some of those goals. And really, I mean, United played some really good football yesterday um, at, yeah. at times, and I'm not trying to take anything away from what we did because I thought we, nice. we stood right there with them. But um, I don't know. I mean, uh, I guess from a defensive standpoint, conceding three goals, it doesn't look great. Um, but was there anything there that you thought that, that we should have done better? Were there mistakes made or was it just kind of the way it goes? Yeah, I think, I think you can always analyse the game and, and look at it from a perspective of if you're a Man United supporter or a Man United coach will say they were three great finishes. From a Southampton perspective, obviously, there's, you know, it's, what, it's, it's, the, it's the game that we know and love. And this is what coaches, sometimes coaches and managers and, and, and analysts and um, pundits, they go a little bit too far, I think. But, let, you know, forget United because we don't want to talk about them. We'll, we'll, do, we'll look at it from a Southampton perspective. And I think the first goal, Bolivia and Romeo, they were obviously primed to sit in front of the back three. Uh, if you look at the first goal, they've gone too far up the pitch. They've gone to press. They've gone to support the press. And the defence haven't moved with them. So when you press, the all three units, your defence, your midfield, your forward, should all move together and be compact. So the defence have stayed in a position Hoybier and Romeo have gone forward and Pereira's picked the ball up in that pocket of space uh-huh. in between and we haven't put any pressure on him. Having said that though, you've got, you know, it, you want people to shoot from 30 yards rather than to create an opportunity from 10. So, you know, Gun, the fact that he's beat Gun from there, I don't think it's Gun's fault. So you say great strike, but we could have stopped it at source, Matt, with Romeo and Hoybier maybe. And Lukaku, both those goals for me, we're not tight enough to him. We shouldn't be letting, uh, you know, uh, uh, I don't know how much he cost in the end. I think it was 80, 90 million, wasn't it? But we shouldn't be letting an 80, 90 million pound player have that amount of time. But um, from the flip side of that, without contradicting yourself, Lukaku will say, well, that's why you paid the money for me mm-hmm. to work in those one, two, three yard spaces. Because if that was against Huddersfield or Brighton or Burnley, you know, would one of their centre forwards been able to turn and, and find a finish from that distance. And that's why you pay so much money for them. So yeah. from a Saints perspective, you know, keeping compact, not, you know, making sure that we're, you know, we're trusting each other and the defence and midfield are compact for the first goal. And then the second goal, just, you know, maybe learning from it and just getting tight and not letting people turn. But ultimately, I think that to go up there and play the way we did, uh, be on the front foot. I mean, Jan Valery's goal was out of this world. I mean, yeah. when you keep seeing it, I mean, he's got no right to hit it from there and that angle against arguably the best goalkeeper in the world. 
and then Ward Prowse's confidence and, and commitment on the training field. I've been at the training ground and I've watched him literally do that free kick 30, 40 times after training. And people don't realise that Ward Prowse's heart is, is very much in the club and also his profession. So, you know, plenty of positives. It's just so frustrating, isn't it, that the winner came so late, you know, yeah. and the score and the way it went, you know, because, you know, if we'd have been 3-0 down and got it back 3-2, you'd have gone, oh, wow. But to lose, you know, at 2-2 and then lose that goal so late. Um, but like I said, hopefully the, the the momentum from the performance can carry us forward into a into a game against Tottenham where, really we should be looking to go out and try and win that game like like you said the the momentum taken from that game i think is going to be important because there haven't been a lot of teams recently that have have gone to united and been able to do that they they united has been uh fantastic uh since Solskjaer took over and and they've been they've been fun to watch from a from a neutral perspective yeah. most weeks you know um yeah I know Jose, old Jose, that's something different than, than Jose of the past couple of seasons, but um, United was one of those games where I didn't want to, I didn't want to turn that thing on. I, I've seen buses parked there before. I didn't really want to watch that. So, um, yeah. uh, but, yeah. but recently it's been, it's been a real, a, a joy to, to kind of turn that on again. But when you talk about Valerie's goal, I was so impressed with him yesterday that there were a couple of times he was shoulder to shoulder with Pogba that he stood up to uh, whoever was coming down that side. He's, and, and I've been critical of him and his uh, his. When we've been in a back four at uh, points, he hasn't always looked comfortable defending. I, I thought yeah. I thought he looked uh, yeah. pretty vulnerable, but he's been so good and so confident going forward that it's it's really nice to see because he is so young and he is you know uh, the story that came out about him earlier this week is 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 great to read and and it, I think it should give all the kids from the from five year olds on the on the the school ground all the way up all the way up through every academy everywhere that, that this is this is a possibility that they they can do this yeah yeah exactly and, and and that's what i mean it's nice to see the Southampton way coming back i think we lost the Southampton way um under a couple of uh, you know it was certainly under hughes and things like that but at the same token i understand why hughes you know the Southampton way is about producing our own for any philosophy whether that's football business to be successful you have to produce your own but you can only produce your own number one if they're ready and number two how the team's doing you've got to remember that when Pochettino was putting players in the team was doing well so putting those young players in wasn't so much of a risk Mm -hmm. to do what Hassan Hurtle's done now and send Cedric out Davis out Gabbiadini out uh, Hoot out um, and bring young players in is taking um, a lot of courage and it could backfire because let's be honest, if we do go down yeah. um, people are going to say, well, you know, why did he do that? Make those decisions. But ultimately you, you, what you want to do is try and bring young players in, into a team that's doing not necessarily at the top of the league because, you know, to get to the top of the league for us is going to be hard, but you want them to be playing well. And I think that Hoybier and Romeo and, and War Prowse, I don't class him as a young player anymore, War Prowse. He's been around too long. Um, he's an experienced player, but I think they've stepped up and the enthusiasm of the young players has actually come in and, and helped the squad. Um, so I'm, I'm quite confident. I'm ever the optimist for Saints as, as we've got to be. Um, but I just think that um, Valerie's an example and there's probably more to come through. But if we can get to the summer, we can stay up. But we do need to bring in three or four players from outside, in my opinion, the academy, just to... Um, with the right characters as well, but just to give the club a little bit of a boost and give the fans a little bit of a boost. We feel that we've 
you know, a lot of the fans, if you hear them talk, they talk about, um, you know, uh, I'm not saying that money is ambition, but it would be nice to see us, you know, improve and take some pressure off them young players because to play them week in, week out right. in the Premier League is, is very, very tough. It's very, very tough. So hopefully a good, a good balance. But I'm, it's brilliant to see. I, I know people that work in the academy. Um, I know coaches that work there. I know players that play there. It is a, it is a world-class environment with world-class people. Um, and I just think that a little bit of pressure can be taken off them with a little bit of money spent in the summer. Yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. Um, just b- before we kind of move on from, from the game, I mean, the two penalty shots on Bertrand, uh, I, I guess three big penalty decisions in, in the game, take, to take the, the handballs that were not handballs uh, out, of the, out of the picture. But, you know, we had two with Bertrand where I think once again, he made that run between the fullback and the center back. He, that, that intelligence shows through and it, it gets him in a position where Smalling uh, at one point has to make kind of a, an awkward yeah. um, challenge and he does make contact, but um, no, nothing as clear cut as the, the Armstrong penalty on Rashford, which Gunn did well to save. But um, looking at those two uh, decisions, were either of those in your mind, uh, I guess try to be objective about it, but uh, either of those yeah. a, a penalty in your mind? First one was, second one wasn't. Um, and I think the first one was a blatant. How that wasn't given is absolutely ridiculous. You could call it being at a big six club. Um, but that was a penalty all day long. Second one, I'm actually going to say this, even though this is a Saints podcast, I think Bertrand should have been booked for diving, Okay, in my opinion. Um, I, so there's, there's the... There's the inconsistency and the you know difference in opinion. So yeah, for me the first one was a blatant penalty, and the second one I wouldn't have been surprised if a yellow card was shown for Bertrand. So I don't think there was minimum contact. I think what he was doing was trying to make the referee see it in the same situation pre- as, as previously. Yeah, hopefully makes up for it, kind of. Yeah, try and make up for it a little bit. So, um, but no, um, definitely the first one. It was a stone wall, but yeah. there you go. There you, uh, maybe at St Mary's we'd have got it. Yeah, yeah, and. And uh, one of the things that, that I pointed out is, you know, there, there are two potential, there's a potential for two penalties there. And, and then somebody said, well, you know, he should have been sent off for the challenge he made uh, kind of directly after that on the sideline where, he, yeah, I, I think that was a pretty crazy, I don't know if they showed it on match of the day or not, but he came in kind of uh, out of control and everything else. And he got a yellow for it. What's that? Yeah, yeah. 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 Exactly. And, and Bertrand's an experienced player and he needs to, you know, he's, you know, he needs to know, you know, to control that. It's not like we're talking about Jan Valerie who got right. sent off the other week. That's that, you know, that's different. You'll learn from that. So like I said, you know, listen, at the end of the day, I'm, I've already said it in this podcast. I'm a huge fan of Bertrand. Yeah. Uh, and he's, he's, he's quality, but yeah, he just we, we pull it this way. We need him. Yeah, yeah. We need, him. we need, you know, target is, is come in and done well, but in my opinion, he's not, not the the level yet of Bertrand, so he needs to make sure that he you know uses that experience in the right way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I what one of the things that I said to somebody on Twitter who said you know should have been sent off. I said, well, I'll take being up three nothing uh, and down to ten men for forty five minutes. I think that's okay. Yeah. Um, yeah and also, yeah, yeah. I think if he gets if he gets even one of those calls, I don't think he makes that challenge. I don't think he's nearly as frustrated. You know. Yeah. Um, but but there's that's not an excuse for Bertrand at all. Um, so I mean. One of the things that that uh, going into next week is Saints have the most draws in the Premier League with nine, uh, twenty four over the past couple of uh, the past two seasons. Tottenham uh, got their first draw yesterday, so I mean, 
do we do we go at it with the same approach as United yesterday and just go in there and and, and try to go at it or or do you do you do you foresee Hassan Hula changing the approach up at home, which would go kind of counterintuitive? Because normally you go away and try to just set up shop and 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 yeah. try to get a point. But uh, you think we we take that some confidence from this and move forward? Well, I think I'd be a bit surprised if we go to Old Trafford and play like that and try and win the game, um, and then come at home to Tottenham with you know buoyed from that performance, the crowds you know up for it, having beaten Fulham at home, which was a good atmosphere. What was good against Fulham as well, though, Matt, is that we've been very critical of the last. You know, it's been Saints sort of having to go on the front foot with 10, 15, 20 minutes to go in previous games, whereas against Fulham, we didn't have to. We almost turned into a boring last 15, 20, where some of the crowd were actually getting a bit frustrated and wanted, you know, the ball to go forward, but we managed the game well. Right. And I think it's important that we, you know, your heart and your head, your heart says, let's go at Tottenham, let's go at them, let's try and beat them, and rah, 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 and Pochettino coming back, et cetera, et cetera. But for me, it's about, you know, that fine balance of, you know, make, uh, and I'm stating the obvious now, but when we've got the ball, can we go forward? Can we attack? Can we score? But making sure we don't leave the back door open because Tottenham have got players that can hurt us. Right. And in my opinion, I know United are playing well, but Tottenham at this moment in time are, um, in general for me, a better team than Manchester United. You know, they've had some bad results, which shows we can get at them, we can beat them. But let's not forget they've got some fantastic players. So, I'd like to see us be on the front foot and go forward. Because like I said to you earlier, I don't think our strength is sitting back and defending. I don't think we're ready to do that. When you know, and A lot of coaches go in and they try and sort the defensive aspects of the game out. But I do believe our biggest strength is going forward. So I think it will be a similar team. Um, I wouldn't be surprised um, if it was you know, the only change maybe uh, would be if you know up at the top with Austin and Long, you know because Long obviously can stretch Tottenham in behind a little bit. But I would expect pretty much more from the same, um, same formation, three at the back, um, gunning goal. Um, and I think that yeah, it, it's all set up for. I mean, if he, if you said to me if we get a point now, I take the point, but only if Cardiff lose. And obviously, we no one knows that, so. You can't go into the game and, and make sure, you know, you need to try and go and win it. But I think, you know, losing to Cardiff has been a real killer. If we'd, even if we'd got a point against them, rather than conceding that late one, we'd have been yeah, a bit more breathing space. But we haven't. And I think that, it, it, in my opinion, whoever finishes above Cardiff will stay up. So it's making sure that we keep the distance between us and them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I would certainly look to attack the game, but be mindful of, I'm respectful of who we're playing without being fearful. All right. All right. Um, just a couple of questions from listeners. That's okay. And then we'll, we'll yeah. let you go. You got, you got stuff going on. So patrons over at patreon.com forward slash SFC delivery, um, get priority for having their questions answered on the show. And Kevin McGee, yeah. one of the patrons of the show says, um, when coaching, what interesting reactions has Jody had from parents? So, uh, if you can think of maybe, uh, one or two uh, instances where parents have said things or done things or whatever. Like, do, do you have anything that stands out in your head? Um, I think the parents are, um, if I'm honest with you, from a coach's perspective, uh, a lot of parents are great, but you do get a lot of things from um, parents that is, is quite funny. I've been told um, when I was coaching a boy, um, he was playing a game at the end of Matt Letizia, natural coaching. So we were playing a little game at the end. And he was stood in defense and his dad came in to me and said, why is my boy playing there? And I said, well, we're just letting him, you know, letting him play. He said, yeah, but 
and this is his exact words, but he's a mix between Teddy Sheringham and Alan Shearer. Matt, he was eight. <laughs> okay, so I said, right. And he said, yeah, he likes to drop in the hole. And when he's in front of goal, he's lethal. So I don't want him playing in defence. So um, I just said to him, look, you know, I tried to explain about diff- understanding diff- the game by playing in different positions, but he wasn't having it. He was convinced that his boy was a mix between Teddy Sheringham and Alan Shearer, eight years old. So, um, yeah, there's not a lot you can do with that. But a lot of parents are supportive. We get a lot of pressure from parents. You know, the kids look over and see what their parents are reacting to. And I do believe that, I know it's a cliche, and I know if you read it on social media, it's a lot about parents being pushy. But I do see a lot of that. I'm not going to lie. I see it at our academy. I see it in schools. I see it being, you know, and half the time it's the kid the kid just looks drained from it but yeah no that one in particular stands out matt where yeah Sheringham and Shearer are eight years old so yeah, i mean that that would be a hell of a player and it's, <laughs> let's, be, let's let's be honest if he's like that at eight then he don't really need much guidance from us does he yeah i know yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> uh well then you can start talking about rotations and tactics and yeah. uh yeah all that other stuff so yeah exactly good. The guys from the In That Number podcast yesterday uh, asked yeah. us, and you, you already responded, but where, where does 40 points come from? So, yeah. I mean, whether we get to 35, Ralph, the, the target he set was 40, and it's difficult to yeah. see that. But, I mean, yeah. you're talking, you know, between 9 and 14 points out of the remaining matches. Is it going to come from Huddersfield? And, I mean, Newcastle are playing well right now, but does it, I mean, where, where do you see those coming from? Is it Brighton, Huddersfield, and, and maybe... Maybe West Ham? I, I don't know. I think, uh, to state the obvious, if we can beat the teams around us, at Brighton, um, Huddersfield, you know, the teams around us, even I include Newcastle, West Ham from that, um, it, they're, they're the games that we have to look at. I think we do need, this is why I don't see this this free hit thing as, as being an issue. Right. It winds me up, you know, when we, you know, when we play the big boys, let's, let's have a go. Let's try and beat them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because, you know, if you remember last year, Huddersfield stayed up by getting a result after Chelsea, you know, so it's important for us that we, you know, we attack Tottenham um, and obviously teams like Liverpool and stuff like that. We've got to make sure that we, you know, we look after ourselves, but I, I'm confident enough. I'm not going to say where they're going to come from because, you know, that's, you know, that's, it's one game at a time, but I'm sure. confident that we'll, we'll get, we'll get enough points to stay up. I, 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 I whether that means we finish 17th just above Cardiff, uh, I don't know. We, we might even have a bit of a flourish. You never know. And if we can beat some of the big boys, get some extra points, you know, without being too optimistic and unrealistic, you know, we could even finish as high as 13th, 14th. It wouldn't surprise yeah. me, but so tight down there, isn't it? And results, everyone's got to play each other as well. I've noticed that a lot of the fixtures are, are sort of six pointers down there. So you're hoping that, you know, we just need to try and find a little bit of consistency. Um, but I'm, I think we'll get, I, I think we'll need 35, 36. I think, you know, without, without calling it, like I said, I'm not one of these people that will predict because, you know, I do um, betting coupons every week and I never win. So there's no point <laughs> me to no point me telling you where we're going to win. Um, but I think we'll be okay. I think right. we'll be okay. All right. All right. And then I guess just last thing, uh, looking back at yesterday, we talked about uh, some of the performances, but if you had to give a, a man of the match performance to anybody on the Saints team, uh, who does that go to? That was uh, that question comes from Saints FC Nation on Instagram. Yeah, I think I would give it to, um, I think his performances lately have been good. And 
I give it to James Ward Prowse purely and simply, not because not just because he's playing playing well, but he is Southampton through and through. And I think that the improvement he's made under Harrison Hurl, I think he deserves. He's been the next best thing, Matt, for the last six seven years. And I think he's finally now, it, the pennies dropped with him, where you can actually say when Mario Lamina comes back in, as good as Lamina is, Ward Prowse will not be coming out of that team. Right. Uh, and I think that the way he stood up yesterday, playing against Pogba, he had some, you know, good, he had Romeo and Hoybier behind him, you know, working hard and, and, and doing the job for him. But I was really impressed with him. I liked Redmond. I thought Redmond was good. I thought Yoshida was good. I think Gunn deserves some credit as well. But I would go with James Ward-Prowse just for the fact that he's shown that maturity, he's shown that leadership. Um, and yeah, James Ward-Prowse for me. All right. Yeah, that sounds good to me, man. Um, he's he's been I mean, he's been great the past couple of, of weeks, and I got uh, got in some trouble because I left him out of my team against uh, against Fulham, and um, people were not happy with me. So there 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 you go. I won't do that again. Um, no, don't do that. <laughs> but. Um, <laughs> I mean, so just to kind of to kind of wrap this up, um, if people wanted to get in contact with you, um, there are a number of ways you can do it. So let's kind of go through them. So uh, on Twitter, uh, they can do it at Rivers Jody Coach or at Jody Coaching, and then also at uh, the Matt Letissier Natural Coaching. Um, it's M L T C seven. Is that it? I left yeah, an, so, uh, I left the letter Twitter, out. M L T N C seven. There it is. M L T N C seven. So did you um? Just, just out of interest, did you want my Saints Eleven? Do you want that? Oh yeah, yeah. Let's do. I'm sorry, I, I completely forgot. No, yeah, not but... at all. Just, it just came into my head, so I didn't know whether you wanted it. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll go for it now. Right. Okay. I'm going to go Niemi in goal. Okay. Okay. So anti Niemi in goal. Um, now right back, people are quite surprised at this, but I thought he was excellent for us. So I'm going to go Niemi in goal. Uh, Nathaniel Klein right back. Okay. All right. Jose Font at centre back because he is to me just he, I think he was incredible for us. Uh, Virgil Van Dyke. Okay. I know that I know people might sort of snarl at that, but let's be honest, the bloke was Rolls Royce in class. <laughs> uh, so we'll go with that. Uh, left back. Um, I'll go with Luke Shaw. Although Wayne Bridge pushes them close, because for Wayne Bridge to get into the England squad when Ashley Cole was around, playing for Saints at the time was was incredible. Right. Uh, and um, so yeah, I'm going to go with, um, but I'll go with Luke Shaw, midfield. I'm going to go Morgan Schneiderlin, uh, Adam Lalana, a player called uh, Ronnie Eckland, who we had on loan uh, from Barcelona under Alan Ball. Um, behind the front two. Um, I suppose I'd better put Matt Letizia in there, and I. Yeah. If you feel yeah. like you have to. Yeah, we're putting him in. We're putting <laughs> him in. <laughs> and then up front, I'm going to go with um, Ricky Lambert. And then my last one, um, I, my last striker that I um, would put in there uh, would be uh, Rod Wallace. Okay. Rodney Wallace. All right. So that's my, that's my Saints 11. All right. <laughs> all right tough to beat that man like you know and is there any names in there that you haven't come across before matt uh wallace is not is not uh when you mentioned that I, i'm running through the rolodex that it's uh there's there no was, picture there, there. Was, there was there there was um three of them they okay. all played in the same team so um rodney wallace danny wallace and ray wallace okay 
Um, so Ray was a fullback. Rodney was a winger. So was Danny Wallace. Danny Wallace was with us in the 80s. Okay. And then he left to go to Manchester United and Rod Wallace came through. Similar time to Matt Letizia, Alan Shearer, who I've left out, by the way, Shearer from Rod Wallace. I thought you were going to put him up there. But, uh, yeah, but he, yeah. he, was, he was great. Uh, but I think he was... Maybe he had his better years away from Saints, right? That, that's the same with Bale for me. Yeah. I mean, you could argue there's Michael Spenson, you know, uh, obviously at the back, um, Jason Dodd at right back, um, Jimmy Case, players like that. But Rod Wallace was a lovely player. And he used to play down the wing. And Franny Benali, um, who I um, speak to, uh, he worked with us coaching, but he's, I now speak to him as a friend. And he used to say that he used to make Franny look good because Franny used to just launch balls down the left wing. <laughs> And Rod would just Rod would just control it or get on the end of it and run in behind. And he was a very, very good player, Rodney Wallace. But yeah, one for you to look up the Wallace brothers, Danny, Ray and Rodney. Try and get some good footage of that, Matt. There's one in, game in particular. We beat Liverpool October 1989. And Liverpool come to us. They played 10, won 9, drew 1. And they come to the down. We beat them 4-1. And we play 4-2-4. And we have Shearer and Ride out up front with Letizia and Wallace either side. And um, yeah, I think on, on that day, Rod, Rod upstages Matt, but we won't tell him that, will we? <laughs> no, no, I, you, know, you, need, you don't need to bring that up. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I just want to say thank you for, for doing this. I know it's, uh, it's taken time out of your day to, to do this. I know you're busy and um, it's, it's really refreshing to hear kind of your perspective on a lot of this stuff and just to hear what you're doing with, with kids and what you're doing with coaching and um, kind of, I, I think the, the way that you've grown uh, from your own story, um, how you've grown in terms of, of how you see the game and what you, what you, how you approach it and all that stuff. Yeah. Hopefully people take something from that. And uh, like you said, hopefully saints go into, into, into uh, the match next week and, and into the rest of the season with some confidence. And, and we, you know, we'll be talking Premier League football next season. But if not, yeah. if it, if the it, if we go down, then uh, we'll just talk about championship football instead, and that'll be okay. Yeah. No, thank you, Matt. And like I said, the one thing I would say about the coaches is that I hope that people, you know, have, that have listened to this as well, understand that my biggest strength is actually being able to look back and and realise that you know. Um, I didn't know it all. I've learned from my mistakes. I've been open and honest about things that I've, you know, my ego and things like that. And hopefully if that can inspire people, you know, just just to make a difference, that would be good. But in regards to the Saints, I think we'll be okay. Yeah. Um, and it's a real pleasure to speak to you. And um, thank you for your time, because I know it's early over there on midday. So I'm going to have a Sunday roast over here. You, 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 you've got to go back to bed, I expect, for an hour or so. So. I'm going to, I think I'm going to have another shot of espresso and uh, do some laundry, but that's, uh, nobody needs to know that. Um, but, but yeah, this has been great. So enjoy, enjoy the roast. Um, and we'll put links to all the stuff in the show notes if people want to get in contact with you and, uh, hopefully we'll do this again. Yeah. Brilliant. Thank you, Matt. Thanks for your time. All right. Have a good day. Cheers, mate. Bye. That does it for episode 112 of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, available right here on SouthamptonDelivery.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. And I'd just like to take a second to thank Jody Rivers for coming on the show. You can find him on Twitter at RiversJodyCoach or at Jody Coaching. And don't forget to check out Matt Letizia's Natural Coaching Academy. 
link to that is in the show notes as well. Uh, Jody does a lot of fantastic work all around the South Coast area, uh, and and I can't uh, I can't think of a better guy to 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 come on and talk tactics and and everything else, and also just you know teach me how to dribble the ball because that's also important. So uh, before we get too ahead of ourselves. Thank you for listening. Thank you to the Southampton page and the We Are Southampton page on Instagram. Matt from the We Are Southampton page does the logo for the show. Uh, and everybody over at the Southampton page, they uh, help spread the show. They are the official partner uh, for all your Southampton FC news and needs. Be sure to check them out once again. The links are in the show notes. And uh, if you remember at the top of the show, I mentioned the bonus content that is available to Patreon members. If you are interested in that, you can go to patreon.com forward slash SFC delivery. Um, check out some of the things you can get if you want to support the show. But really just you listening is fantastic. If you want to go next level with it, um, share it with somebody, write a review on iTunes. Uh, if you really want to get crazy, then, then go ahead and visit Patreon. But uh, just thanks for listening. That is the most important. Just a reminder that the website is up at SouthamptonDelivery.com and the newsletter will be out this Friday. So you can sign up. You get one edition of the newsletter each Friday morning about 8.15 a.m. GMT. And uh, in it, it's full of of stuff about Saints. It's got a little bit about the show, a little bit of upcoming guests, uh, predicted 11, match day edit, an article written by somebody other than me because you don't always want to hear my voice. Uh, and, and then, you know, possibly some other stuff that, that you may or may not enjoy. And if, guess what? If you don't like it, all you have to do is unsubscribe and I won't send you anything else. But uh, if you want to follow the show on Twitter or Instagram, you can do that at SFCDELL underscore IVERY. We're also on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash SFC delivery. All music for the show comes courtesy of the Free Music Archive at freemusicarchive.org. The intro song is Epic Song by Boxcat Games. And the end of show credits that you're listening to right now is Aim is True by Poddington Bear. I think that does it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back again after Spurs. And until then, remember that together, we march on.